A week before Rupa gave birth to her first child, her mother had emergency brain cancer surgery. Her mom became muted and passed away soon thereafter. After a couple of years of motherhood without her mother, Rupa wrote 100 poems from both her and her daughter's perspectives. Her book, Someone Calls Me Mommy, was born. Rupa has generously offered listeners a 10% discount on her book. Go to her website, someonecallsmemommy.com, and use code DWOM at checkout. Again, that's code DWOM. All of that information is in the podcast show notes. And now, Rupa's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm glad you're here today. Today, I have with me Rupa, and uh, Rupa and I met online, but we are physically pretty close to each other. And she said, do you want to get together and do this in person? And I kind of like panicked because I was like, I don't know how to do it in person. (laughs) I only know how to do it over Zoom. I don't know. I don't know if the recording would not be good if we were sitting together, if the audio would work. So, um, but she has sparked a thought in my head that, you know, it is time to start thinking about things in person and and live and in person again, rather than everything being uh, virtual. So, Thank you for being here today, Rupa. I am going to turn the mic over to you and let you introduce yourself, tell us your story, and then I will be back at the end with um, questions and and all the things. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Beth. It's it's so nice to be part of your beautiful orbit that you're putting out there. And uh, I, I feel really honored to be part of this community, even though what brings you to it can feel very uh, mixed, complicated, sad, all the things. But so thank you for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been nervous all day to think about, I'm getting choked up now, just to think about where do I start with my mom? But I think I won't start with the details of how she passed. I'll just start with, um, I miss her. She was so awesome. She was she was like a like a sassy Mother Teresa. She was, she came in at four feet 11, maybe in her heyday, she was maybe five two. Um, And she just had a vibrancy uh, about her, a youthful wisdom that you just were drawn to. She always was laughing. I, I have distinct memories of sitting at a kitchen table with her and she would put her head down on the table because she would just find something so funny. She couldn't even make eye contact. So her head would be down on the table and she just had this like giggle. So I always think of my mom and her giggles. I have so many voicemails from her of her just being like, hi, Pum Pum. That was my nickname. When she moved to this country, she loved um, cheerleaders. She always thought that cheerleading was so interesting. She moved here from India and they had pom-poms, but I think somewhere <laughs> something got lost in translation and it was became a pom-pom and I became a pom-pom. And she, uh, she always called me her American dream. She was so um, energized and felt so fortunate to move to this country, this land of opportunity. And she just took it upon herself to give me so many opportunities in life. Took me to so many classes, so, so many things. She was amazing. I think the thing I miss about her is that 
that emotional safetyness, something so nice about a mom's love. It just feels so safe. And um, so essentially, I guess my story that leads me to her passing probably starts about mm, 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Honestly, I get lost. A long time ago. Long time ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she never told anyone about it, including me, including my brother, none of her friends. And I started getting hints that something was going on um, way into her journey. So sorry, let me backtrack and say she probably was diagnosed in her 50s and I metastasized and stuff. And I started feeling like my mom was losing weight. She was forcing herself to come to New York City where I was living from Virginia. And I sent something was wrong. And this was like in 2010. So it, it was, she was like 20 years. She had, you know, suffered on her own. And um, essentially the truth came out. She, I just remember her sitting me down on the couch in the living room. And I was like, mom, I feel like you're hiding something. And she's like, okay, I'm going to tell you everything. And she um, she had a sheet of paper and she just wanted to tell me all the things she said, sorry if it hurt my feelings that she kept it a secret, but I had just moved to New York um, to go to college. And she just knew, knowing our relationship and my personality, I would have moved home. And, and I guess she didn't want to impact that dream of me being in New York City. But I remember on the couch her saying like, I, I just, I didn't like going to doctor's appointments alone. And so that just always stayed with me. And so I made it, you know, a point to make sure that she would never be at the doctor kind of alone and felt the team. And so I, I visited Virginia often, I stayed in Virginia. Um, and then, you know, the doctors gave her just a very limited time to live like a year, you know, even when they throw out dates, you just don't know. And, you know, I come from a very entrepreneurial, not nine to five thinking like, screw what the doctors say. We make our own lives. You can do whatever you want. So, you know, my dad was very positive and we were feeling positive, but I, I knew my mom was scared, um, but she lived, you know, longer, five years, seven years, even past that. And so at that five-year mark, I was like, wow, this is, you know, she's good. Um, and I, re I remember Sorry, I'm all over the place, but I feel like grief works like that. You remember bits and pieces of a story. I, it's so hard to be chronological sometimes. But either way, I remember the the first time after she sat down and wrote that note to me and we went through it. I was like, Mom, I'll do anything for you. What would make you feel better? I'll go get married. I was I was living my best single life in New York City. I was like, I'll go get married. I'll go have kids. What do you want? And she's like, Rupa, I would just, I'd love for you to get rid of your guilt. And so I really, that had a profound impact on my life. Um, it would, I'll circle back to that later, but it, it really had a profound impact on me. And um, so anyways, I ended up meeting the love of my life. I, I was best friends with him for seven years. He, he met my mom. I, I run this educational nonprofit my, and we'd always have these graduations for students at the end of the year. My mom would always come. I, I named my businesses after my mom, Nalini Method, Nalini Kids, all in my mom's honor. I 
really looked up to her. She was like my, my little hero. And so my husband's name is Sam. She, she loved him. And so we got married, me and Sam, and we got pregnant and it, it was, it was just amazing. I thought my mom would be able to be here for, for that journey. Um, and eight months into my pregnancy, she had stayed with me. My, my father and my brother went to India for a trip. My mom was with me for three weeks while I was eight months pregnant. And it was, it was beautiful. My, my mom is such a helpful person, always cooking. And she was, she was, she, she was feeling it. She was sick. I, I guess sick. I don't like that word, but she, whatever. She was tired. Things were, took her longer. And I just remember she had these big headphones on because her hearing was going and my God, the TV was so loud and we had work that we had to do. So she put on these huge headphones, 411 with these gargantuan headphones being like, can I help you? Can I help you with anything? And she's like, she was in a wheelchair at that time. She was like, I was like, can't do anything. But so she, she, she let us take care of her and remember washing her and, and, you know, with the wheelchair, she was heavy. I was heavy eight months, but we did these showers together. It was, it was a beautiful time. Um, those three weeks we spent together. Anyways, while, while in the three weeks, she ended up having, you know, I don't know, an episode and it was traumatic in the house. Thought it was a heart attack. We ended up in the hospital and they found something on her brain, something that I, th I think we had seen before. So maybe it had metastasized. So essentially she ended up in the system of all the checks and all that, checking things out. And I, I feel she was really not in the mood for another fight. She had done the fight. Um, but, you know, with family, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you deal with family dynamics, everything. Won't, won't, won't get into that. But essentially, um, she decided to have surgery um, or, yeah. Um, and she was scheduled to have surgery um, a month before I was due, which I didn't feel like was good timing. I had a lot of issues with it. I, I knew my mom would want to see my daughter being born, but I moved to Virginia, uh, eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant at this point, super pregnant, ready to pop, changed all the doctors, everything, you know, got one of those empty apartments, brought in furniture, you know, like, like felt like HG, HGTV. I don't even understand. It's like when, when you have the will behind you, like right now, laundry could take me four hours, but at that time, like I could, I don't know, I could move mountains despite being very pregnant. Anyways, moved to Virginia and um, my mom had this surgery and it left her um, in a very muted state, a very different state, um, like a week before I had, had um, my daughter. I have two kids. Um, my daughter's name is Tal. And, um, it was just very hard. I, I was dealing with a lot of family dynamics then a lot, a lot of issues with her care at the hospital. And my delivery was very challenging for me. Cause I felt like I was having on honestly, like an out of body experience. I thought like my mom's gone, felt like the rug was being pulled out underneath me. And I, I just felt, uh, I was outside looking in at me having this child. I, and all I wanted to, I always wanted to have children my whole entire life. Like even when I was 12, I made 
tapes, audio tapes for my children in the future with like lessons or things I wanted to share with them just in case I passed away before they were older. So I, I literally have like video and audio tapes from when I'm 12. So this, this moment of having this child has been like, you know, was, you know, and like all plans, you know, independent of my mom passing away, but like childbirth, like everything was unpredictable. Anyways, um, and my mom got to meet my daughter um, in this state. Um, it wasn't the same. It was very hard. I feel that the time she met her, we call it the transfer day. I feel that my mom transferred her energy to my daughter. I, uh, I remember it vividly. She was uh, in the hospital. I drove, it was like a rainy night with my husband and my daughter. I drove from New York City to, to, to this hospital. I had, sorry, moved out of Virginia after months being there and then went back to, to visit my mom. Um, and I came into the hospital and I just brought my breast out, like literally put my breast on top of my mom's shoulder and started breastfeeding my baby right in front of her. I wanted her something about that. I, I don't know. I just wanted her to see that there was like mothering going on, nurturing going on. I, I know she took pride in, in breastfeeding me. And I don't know. That's what came out in that moment. And we have a picture of us where Tal's hand, my hand, and my mom's hand are all in that moment. And she's just holding me while I'm breastfeeding Tal. Tal's holding her. And we call it the transfer day because they just like stared at each other. It was so, such a wild experience. Um, and I have a lot of security in my mom and, you know, our relationship, but we were close my whole life. I, I would have taken my mom as like, um, a mom, a sister, a best friend, a grandma. A, a, she could have come in any form in my life and I would have hung out with her all day. Um, she would always say, Rupa, you should be like Walgreens, hang out on the corner of happy and healthy. Like she just had these like, just funny, sweet one-liners that just, I don't know. It's just, just great. I, I remember when... I was dating a guy that wasn't right for me. And she's like, you know, if I'm not here in America, you know, you can do anything. You can get a divorce. Don't worry about it, Rupa. Do do what you have to do. Like, I just, she just, I don't know. She was so supportive and so modern and so traditional. She just, she carried both East and West world so well and just everything. Like she had, we would always say that her one word is balance. And my one word was connect. I love to connect to people and she just loved to keep things in balance. And so we just had a good time together. Um, and my, my journey with my mom has, I think because I have businesses named after her, it's always held me accountable in a different way. Um, and also kept her memory and who she is present all the time you know when she was live and even now with her passing I feel like she's almost more present than ever before um I didn't really know what my journey towards healing would be obviously it's a lifelong journey but um I had a clear moment uh, I was playing with my daughter my daughter was about one at this time and um she was jumping in some rain puddles and I was like, tall, you know, 
we should have, we have to take a nappy. And she, she looked up at me and she's like, mommy, I don't want to take a nappy. My rain boots are happy. And she just delivered this line in a way that like my mom would, you know, just like poetic way, just with confidence, like what's wrong with you? Like, who cares about napping? Like my rain boots are happy. Like get, get your priorities straight. And, um, um, that night I went home and started writing about early motherhood um, from the perspective of my daughter and myself and accessing what I feel like is was my daughter's voice came in the form of my mom. And um, I think that was a, like a warm healing bubble for me because I felt like I was like almost like in a tribe circle, hanging out with my mom, my daughter, and me in the future or the past. There's, there was like a time lapse. I don't know. who what is my mom 20 in this? Is my mom 78? Am I two? Am I 30? I don't know. But all of us, all our energies are together. And I just started writing about all the things in motherhood um, that I would have liked to have shared with my mom that moments that I thought about her and she wasn't there, um, moments I could have used guidance. And I just started thinking about like, what would she say and do? Um, putting on like, I was putting on like the grandma hat, the mommy hat and the child hat. And what resulted in, it, it, the result was a hundred poems, about 50 subjects from motherhood, from the child's perspective and the mom's perspective. And um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's been very healing to write. I, it's called Someone Calls Me Mommy. We can talk about it later. But it just, it was so, uh, it was very weird to know that someone was calling me mommy when I didn't feel like I had my mommy and um, like an emergency contact. And like, I'm the one who's responsible. Like I'm the, I'm the head matriarch here. Like I'm, I'm the top dog in the house right now. I just don't. Um, and so just that statement that someone calls me mommy, like the way I called my mom mommy. Yeah. So writing was a definitely an outlet for me, drawing, um, putting on the grandma hat with my daughter. And, you know, I show my daughter pictures of my mom. I tell her stories all the time. We call her Grandma Nini. We came up with like a little nickname. And uh, my daughter has this like imaginary friend called Mimo who drives a pink convertible in the sky. I'm convinced it's my mom. My mom always wanted a pink convertible, but it's just... It's I don't know, these connections, life. I just, I, you know, the other day I was in the car and I felt like my mom was talking to me and I, I, you know, I cried for an hour. I told you, I, I'm a pretty spiritual person. I have a temple in my house. I pray every morning and every night. But um, I just got back to that because after everything that happened with my mom, I took this hiatus from praying. And in the car, I asked my mom, like, where should I pray? It just feels different now. And I felt like she said outside. And so my husband set up this little prayer area outside. And I just feel very connected to her in that way. I, I remember at one point when she was with us, but not with us, you know, how, how that is at aging and stuff. And 
Um, someone told me about this concept of ambiguous loss and this idea that, you know, my mom's physical body was there and, but she wasn't there. And it's, you know, a lot of people deal with it, with it, whether it's like going to war, a kidnap, I mean, really tragic things. And obviously my mom lived a very good life and had a family and stuff, but I, I still felt this ambiguous loss. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's, it's hard to get in families because everyone just grieves in very different ways and uh, can't convince anyone of your one way or how someone wants to live their life. And I guess parenting on some level is just letting go of control every single day. And so I think my mom would get a kick out of that because, you know, I like control. Control is fun, but uh, I've had to let, let go a lot. And I feel like I just uh, I let I let go of kind of everything giving birth to my daughter in the way that it happened in the hospital. I didn't necessarily choose feeling alone for not, not, not able to connect with her and her having a surgery that I just wasn't behind and all these things. And, um, but essentially, you know, not, not to go silver lining with it, you know, I wish things had worked out a little differently, but Oh, I got my mom and, and my child, which is so, so lucky. You know, my, my daughter's her own person, but I, I get these moments that uh, are very special. I have a lifetime of memories and, you know, I have a lot of iPhone photos. I mean, you know, my parents don't, you know, they barely have one or two pictures of them and their family. And so I have her voice and um, yeah, but I just, I just miss her and that's just the bottom line. And I've been listening to some of your episodes and my goodness, everyone has such a unique story and journey and you feel such, uh, such a sense of loss and companionship when you hear these stories. And so my hope, I guess, in sharing this story was to, on a selfish level, just see where it goes. I don't know what was going to happen. And then maybe on a, a larger level of the mission that you're committed to is to kind of give hope, especially to the mom who loses uh, a, a mom while she's having a kid and uh, those early stages and, and feeling alone. I, I feel I've had a lot of maternal figures enter my life uh, older, younger, and, and, and take care of me in different ways, but, you know, they aren't my mom, and um, gosh, moms are so great. I hope I live up to this standard my mom kind of, I feel like, set for me. I hope I can provide that emotional safety for my daughter, and I guess that's all I have to say. Mm -hmm. Wow. I just love so many aspects of your story. I mean, I like I hate that you are a part of the club, but to say that you, you have your mom and your daughter, like that is just so special. That is so special. Um, that transfer day. Wow. Like that is just amazing. I might have to see if you wouldn't mind sharing that picture because I think that that I would love to see what that looks like. Um, that's just that's just amazing. Um, and I emotional safetyness. I love that you coined that phrase too, that you miss your mom's emotional safetyness. Um, and I'm just I, I want to 
encourage you to give yourself a lot of um, kudos for um, using the mechanism that you used to cope and with your healing was the writing and the drawing. Um, and a lot of times when we lose that emotional safetyness, I think a lot of times people go inwards or get angry or, you know, put a wall up. And I mean, you said you, you took a hiatus from your prayer life for a little bit, but now you're getting back. Um, so, but I, I think you ought to give yourself a lot of credit for that either. Like, I know that you're missing your mom tremendously, but maybe it was that connection with your daughter. And it sounds like you have a great husband and you had, you had the capacity to be able to process it and still be able to honor yourself and your new family. And, you know, not everybody, not everybody has the capacity to do that. So she's obviously with you. Um, yes. No, I appreciate how you're, how you frame that. I feel like I would always tell my mom, I love connecting. And she'd be like, you're just the project girl. You're just like having projects. And so it felt good to have a project almost associated to healing. Like I tried reading some books and quotes and that was helpful, but it was, it was the creative catharsis of feeling connected to her that ultimately I thought I would do these videos of her. I have a lot of her clothing. I thought I would do a scrapbook, but it but what essentially needed to happen was like writing a book. I remember right before she had the surgery, I stayed up for three days because it was the, the surgery decision was kind of made more last minute. And I stayed up for three days. And I went through every single, I mean, literally stayed up for three days, every single photo that she'd ever done. And I put this like book together because over the course of her five years of suffering, I'd asked her to write her life story because she, she always found it interesting that I like, like to write books. And she's like, one day I want to be an author. And so I combined it together and I had like her little life story and I gave it to her right before surgery. And it just... It's my last like lucid moment that we all had together. And it was, it was really powerful to see her life story in, in paper. And I, I don't know, I guess that's, that's, that was like our love language was kind of writing and creating. And so it made sense, I guess, to write. And I just wish people, I mean, I'll share a tiny portion of this video clip, but if people could just see how your face lights up when you talk about her and, and her humor and, uh, and just her style. And when you said like that, she was uh, the modern and supportive and the balance of the East and West, like she really sounds remarkable because of the, the humor and the, and to be able to say, eh, yeah, so you're in America, you can get a divorce if you need to, like that just is. That is great. That is great. Um, and you most certainly do light up from within when you talk about her. Um, and also that she said to you, I'd love for you to get rid of your guilt. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. I yeah. think uh, when I was younger, I, I remember, I, I mean, I don't think of myself as like a super guilty. I, I would always feel like, I remember when 9-11 happened and I felt really guilty I wasn't on the airplane. And I remember my mom being like, I was like, I don't have a husband. I don't have children. It's like, why did those people have to pass away? And I felt really guilty. And so I feel like it, those kind of things, my mom wanted me to, you know, say like, it's okay to be lucky. It, you don't have to feel bad for being lucky. And so 
I kind of stand before you kind of, I guess, owning my luck, you know, like I am lucky. I have a mom who cared for me, who asked me how I was doing every day, who made great food and meals and shared with me. And I, you know, if someone else has a story and their mom wasn't close to them, I don't have to feel guilty that I had a mom that I was close to. And I feel that's that's been a long journey for me to be able to kind of say and do that. I remember soon after she passed, I uh, I started playing uh, dribbling basketball, like just dribbles at the at the gym. And I was like, I joined this like league and I'm like a joke, but, but the league. But the point is, I when I first started the basketball, like just dribbling, I would feel guilty going to the neck. I'd, I'd net. I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I hit you. I, I just like say sorry on the court. My husband's like, what is wrong with you? Like you're supposed to run into people. And then towards the end, I would see the goal. I'd see the net and I'd go straight for it. And I felt like my mom would be so proud that, you know, like even in that small situation, just wasn't like overly apologetic, I guess. And so, Yeah. She was just such a confident cookie that she was, she was just very confident. I remember my, my husband and I, um, we were two different religions who got together, some complications with family. And I was like, you know, I wonder if it will work out, but you know, you don't know. And she's like, either Sam is brave or he's a loser. <laughs> That's all she said about the whole, whole situation. Like, and then like, she never wanted to talk about it. She just, I, she, I liked her confidence, you know, mm-hmm. and I it she always saw me as confident but with this air of this guilt stuff so hmm. even in those yeah. moments she's very selfless I know she wanted grandkids in that moment I know she <laughs> wanted that but instead she gave me the answer of work on your guilt <laughs> oh wow that is great um well and I think you know what a what a great a mantra for you to you know carry with you as you continue to go through life and um I mean, I'm older than you and I can say that it continued for me, it has continued to get better. And I let go of more and more every year. And it's great. It's really great. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad that your mom has already uh, given you, you know, some time to, um, to, to think about letting that go before you have to wait till you continue to get older. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also uh, connected with your when that three weeks when she was with you when you were eight months pregnant and you you know said that it was a beautiful time and it's ironic isn't it how sometimes those times when like some of my favorite memories with my sister in her journey was when we spent weeks in the hospital and this is before COVID and we would my sister was in ICU for almost three weeks and she was never alone twenty four hours a day somebody was always with her. And it's, and my niece and I often talk about those, those memories and like, you know, it was like the worst of times and the best of times all at the same time, you know, they all like intertwine and art. It's beautiful. It's tragic. It's all, it's so raw. I have some of my distinct, most distinct memories are of like bathing my mom and just like her skin, her body and her, um, just she loves showering my god if she could take a shower 10 times a day she would I mean I remember going to the hospital giving her like cucumber circles for she's like when she came to this country she didn't know like she didn't she didn't have the time money space knowledge to get involved with facials I moved to New York City and my big takeaway when I came back was like mom 
we need to get involved with facials and manicures. And so in the <laughs> hospital, I just feel like that was her, her jam too. She wanted to continue that habit that we had started. Um, but yeah, also just like the touch, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I listened to one of your podcasts where someone said, spray the perfume that your mom. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like that was such good advice. Yeah, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. One of the best gifts that somebody had given to her was a bottle of her mom's perfume. Yeah, I thought, what a great idea. Yeah. So great. Uh-huh. I, I did this little thing. It's like a little, it's it's a little weird, but I don't know. It, it, it worked for me. I uh, went through this phase where I would just stare at myself in the mirror, like stare into my eyes mm-hmm. and try to see my mom. And it was just raw looking at yourself being sad or affected by something like I I remember always looking at my mom's eyes she had such warm brown eyes and I feel like I can't look at them but there was something about looking at myself and thinking about her that made me feel like I was reflecting her through me I don't know some you do so many interesting things (laughs) yes you do you are absolutely right you sure do (laughs) you end up on a on a train that's just I don't know it's wild I would never thought that I'd be talking to my mom in the car you know my my, like my my daughter sometimes she'll just see my mom's photo and she'll like cross her arms across her chest and she'll be like grandma nini and and my mom used to always tell me to hug myself and I just I don't know are they connected their independence coincidence whatever it is it feels good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've connected with Amber uh, Bradbury at all but she wrote a book about if grandma was here mm-hmm. yeah that's another really great I have it up uh-huh. here somewhere um, it's another really good and I mean Randy from grief and grits also um, but this is what Amber wrote if grandma were here, oh. And it also in, includes her children and like, you know, how they talk about the things that, that they would do. And oh. this is this is kind of strange. I mean, you said your mom's was a pink convertible, but hers was, <laughs> if grandma were here, you would hop in her pearly white Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just so great for, to, yeah, like you said, yeah, keeping keeping them alive through memories and things, you know. I I actually sometimes think that um, people do a better job of of communicating the legacy of lives that are lost early than mm-hmm. when somebody you know like if somebody dies at a normally you know yeah. older age death. I don't know if we continue to keep them alive as much as when we are just holding on to that that memory and that life that we do such a good job of just talking about them. Like, you know, not, not necessarily like they're still here, but just with such intensity and such compassion that our kids get that, you know, you're so right. I think, I feel like part of it is like, uh, even at our table, like I, I would have loved to have a meal with my mom. And so when I think of her, I tend to ask my husband, if she were here, what do you think she'd be doing right now? And it's, been like a fun little I mean I don't know if it's a game but it's kind of like and he always like says exactly what I think she's gonna say or you know it's rather than shying away from it maybe she did show up there spiritually in that moment maybe you know it's just it's just it's just nice to think like if I'm thinking about her she is kind of here so might as well add a little voice to it and, you know, pretend like what outfit would she be wearing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's fun to let the mind wander like that, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I do keep, too. 
to keep them alive longer. And also I feel like, I mean, such a testament to like what you're doing with this podcast, but you know, before my mom passed away, I think if someone told me their mom passed away, you know, I wouldn't know how to necessarily navigate it. And now, especially, you know, I ask the story, I ask the name, I don't shy away from that dialogue. And, and, you know, I don't have to shy away from it either. I can bring up my mom in a moment if I feel like, you know, I want to, and mm -hmm. it's, it's okay. Most people understand and it's all good. You can keep them alive if you want to keep them alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this book a little bit because um, she graciously sent me one and it is just beautiful. First of all, it's very simplistic white um, pages with black font and then um, sparse, colorful drawings. And you did all the drawings also? Yes. Wow. You have a gift. You certainly have a gift. Um, and so uh, a lot of them are on the left-hand side is like one perspective. And then on the other side, um, there was one I was just looking at that was like one, two, three, and now I lost it. Um, the milestones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but it is just such a beautiful perspective and way to do it and the simplicity but with the, you know, the, like, this is like a, a person, right? His body is a heart and just, I mean, it is beautiful. It really is beautiful. Um, how long did it take you to do this? This poured out of me, this, uh, that first poem, that rain boots night, it probably took me a couple months to write the poems. And then I finished the drawings in four, four days. I told my husband, you have to do bedtime every night. I just, I, I can see all the drawings. Actually, I was going to hire an illustrator because I wasn't feeling totally confident. I wasn't sure, but then I felt like I was going to describe something to them that they wouldn't understand. So I figured I would just do them myself. And I, I've always, you know, written poetry and dabbled here and there with, with art, but not to this level. And um, it just came out of me. I mean, and is a lot of it in crayon? Yeah, it's in pastel. So, yeah, which is the perfect, you know, like kind of, you know, childhood feel. Yes. Um, yeah. That yeah. was the goal. And, 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 and I remember my mom, when she had seen the nursery, when she stayed with me for the three weeks, she's so funny. She, I was like, mom, I could put a mural on the wall. And she's like, you should put a rainbow and a little girl with like, red hair or pigtails I was like but red hair doesn't even run in our family I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't she's like well, okay just a rainbow or something and so I don't know when I think of child and I, I think of the you know the primary colors and I I had a distinct moment at drop-off with my daughter where you know she would you know ask me where, where's grandma Nini and I would just tell her she lives in the sky and so I just I feel like that that poem in particular really Maybe maybe I can read you that child poem. I can read you her pers the Tal's perspective on that one. Um, sure. This one's called Luck. My mommy's mommy lives in the sky. She's everywhere my mommy goes. My mommy is so lucky. At drop-off, she doesn't have to say goodbye. And then from my perspective, uh, obviously I thought my mom was a very peaceful woman. My mom lives in the sky. You woke in peace. You slept in peace. You sat in peace. You walked in peace, you listened in peace, you talked in peace, 
You are at peace. You are at peace. I miss you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, so powerful. Um, I, I'm on the page about the hint and the pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> on the one page um, where it says hint, I'm picking up. You don't want me to talk. You'd rather have my gums rot. And then the second page is pacifier. This is a magic tool. Do they have one for relatives too? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but so like it's 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 heartfelt, but there's humor. Like I, you have done such a beautiful job of honoring exactly how you described your mom in here and added your own perspective that, you know, someone now calls you mommy without your mommy. Like it is just, just beautiful. Just oh, beautiful. I it- love it. That, that makes me so happy. I love it. May, yeah. I, may I share the Rain Boots poem with you? The, yes. This is the moment, I guess, that inspired everything. Can you, you tell me what page it's on? It's on page 100 and 101. Okay. The last one. Do you want to yes. read the child's perspective and I could read the adult? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, so the child, the child oh, perspective. Yeah. My Rain Boots are happy. Okay. So I'll read that first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. My rain boots are happy. Whenever it rains, people say a lot about how the day goes, the have and have nots, but my yellow boots don't talk. They just beg for a walk. Mommy tells me to nappy, but my rain boots are happy. This is from uh, my perspective, gifted and talented. You wear rain boots on sunny days, collect weeds instead of flowers, hide rocks in my pockets, stare at dead bugs for hours. You make friends with caterpillars, run from sirens and cry, build Lego homes for critters and love goodbyes. Your eyes see what I cannot. I am thankful for the gift I got. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah, wow. So we will link all of this in the show notes. Um, if you are looking for her book, you have a website that has, you know, your book on it and everything. Um, so I will put that in the show notes. If somebody is running or in their car or something, you can come back and find Rupa and someone calls me mommy in the show notes. Um, an analogy of two perspectives. Just love it. And the, and and this is like the mom, right? And yeah. ah, like, I just love it. I just, you have to, if you, um, I, I think it connects to people who like words and people who like, cause I'm not really artistic that much, but I can appreciate like the thought that, you know, cause it just hit me on the front here. When I just said, it. oh, it's somebody. <laughs> so anyways, I think, I think that um, people will, people, if you enjoy words or you enjoy, enjoy art, or you enjoy thinking about the perspective of, um, what Rupa is representing in this, in this book, I think people will really enjoy it. So thank you. My, my hope is that, you know, moms of all different ages and stages can appreciate it. Cause you know, I, one thing that I always come back to is like the day a child enters the world, another child becomes a parent. And so losing my mom really made me aware of the child in me that became a parent. And so I think that just allowed me to access this place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate that you accessed it and wrote it and are sharing it with the world. Um, 
So I usually wrap up the podcast with if there's, you know, some something left that you'd like to share with the listeners or a final thought that you would, would like to share. I'd like to share me and my mom's favorite quote. <laughs> okay, great. It was, it was like our favorite quote with each other. Um, if you ever think you're too small to make a difference in the world, you haven't been in bed with a mosquito. <laughs> I don't that's, know. <laughs> that's great. I don't know. Just uh-huh. what a cute quote. <laughs> just mm-hmm. remind me of her. And just all our moms make such a difference in the world and you can make such a difference and your podcast makes such a difference. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story with us. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.